This is Jewish Board Talk with Sharice Zephard, only on 101.9 High FM. To get a sense of Kanye West's popularity and influence, you need to know that he's considered to be the world's best-selling music artist and holds the joint record together with Bob Dylan for most albums topping the annual pairs and uh, job critic poll. Time magazine has named him one of the most influential people in the world, and he has close on 30.9 million followers on Twitter. What he says matters. Research analyst, commentator at the African Research Center, Jamie Mighty, is one of those who has spoken out against Kanye's latest anti-Semitic utterances, and he joins me now to tell me more. Jamie, welcome, and thank you so much for joining me. Thank you so much for having me. It's my pleasure. Jamie, um, 30 million followers, is that considered quite uh, influential? Well, it's definitely very influential, and I think the influence of Kanye West extends beyond his social media footprint because he is somebody whose music is widely followed, whose fashion is uh, widely consumed, and whose content has been widely consumed on a variety of platforms, YouTube, Twitter, Instagram as well, and somebody whose life has also been surrounded by other very prominent figures, such as Jay-Z, Beyonce, Kim Kardashian. So when you think about the um, global attention on Kanye West, I think it extends well beyond the, um, you know, the nexus of just his social media footprint. He's somebody who's a global figure, um, if we're quite blunt about it. So, and again, you know, you talk about fashion. He's a face of Adidas. Uh, you can, you know, not listen to music and still know Kanye West, which means what he says does matter. And I think you in, um, in a social media posting also talk to the importance of words. What actually did Kanye say about Jews specifically? Well, there's two things that he did. Um, number one was that he intimated that he was having problems with Jewish people as a collective, not necessarily with individuals who happened to be Jewish. And then as a result of that, um, he then went onto Twitter and said he was going to go death con three on Jewish people the very next day. And um, in other platforms, he intimated that, you know, Jewish people were controlling various uh, levers of the entertainment industry and that they were glorifying black-on-black violence, but not necessarily any other forms of violence. So when you think about his rhetoric, you have to take it as a collective. But Kanye has not only said problematic things about, you know, the Jewish community, he has said problematic things about the black community as well. He has been somebody who has used white supremacist narratives. He has um, spread conspiracy theories around, for instance, the, the death of George Floyd, saying that he wasn't killed by the knee on his neck, but rather by fentanyl, which he uh, allegedly consumed by Kanye West. So when you look at what Kanye West has been saying and doing collectively, what you get from that is somebody who has some problematic worldviews. But going specifically uh, back to the anti-Semitism comment, what you'll find there is that the intimation of violence and the, you know, use of conspiracy narratives is really what has been used historically um, in pogroms, in the Holocaust, and generally in anti-Semitic narratives and attacks. 
um, across the world. Jamie, I hate the concept of um, a hierarchy of anything, a hierarchy of suffering, a hierarchy of racism. But do you feel that, having mentioned all the problematic things that Kanye has said, that he, the consequences of anti-Semitism is higher than the consequences of racism? Well, I do think that um, that perception may exist in a variety of audiences simply because of the way things played out. Because Kanye said slavery was a choice and um, there was a lot of outcry, but there was no economic sanction to his business. In fact, he became a billionaire shortly thereafter. He, um, you know, made White Lives Matter shirts, which were deemed offensive by the black community, not because white lives don't matter, but because of the context in which those shirts were produced as a refutation of the Black Lives Matter narrative at the time at which George Floyd had been killed. He then um, has made a variety of statements, you know, around George Floyd, specifically saying George Floyd didn't die of the knee on his neck. And those kind of comments and some of the comments he made towards fashion designers and fashion journalists who were black women um, did not lead to economic sanctions on him. But obviously, when he started going into the terrain of anti-Semitism, they were a, a sequence of events. And I think you need to look at it holistically, but you also need to look at it in the context of everything else. So um, this may have been the straw that broke the camel's back because people were very frustrated with him. But there are going to be um, conversations around the proportionality of the response, um, his mental health in and of itself, and um, why are the comments that he made around white supremacy, around slavery was a choice, and uh, normalization or regurgitation of white supremacist narratives didn't particularly lead to these kind of consequences. I mean, just in you know, the comments on Twitter around, you know, the fact that he initially said he thought Jews were powerful and rich and had money, and now he's being punished because, you know, it reinforces that kind of stereotype that he's saying. And and I just wondered how, you know, what the impact of that is. Well, the impact is going to be a split decision in terms of the discourse. And this is the danger, you know, and there have been some interesting articles that came out just before um, some of the cancellations of his economic um, contracts, that because of the way he framed the conversation, anything that would have happened to him after that would either have been an affirmation of his conspiracy theory or even an affirmation of a fear of doing something because of his conspiracy theory. So he made it a circular sort of uh, logic. But having said that, I think it's very important to think about the ideas that Kanye West was spreading and to separate them. On the one side, he started pursuing this idea that there is a Jewish conspiracy and um, that, and also perpetuating a normalization of violence against Jewish people because the reference of going DEFCON 3, you know, which is a military level attack is actually, I think, where he goes beyond any discourse around any power any community may have or any collective, uh, you know, organization any community may have. So it's, 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 it's not something offensive in my view to say, hey, there's a community that is doing well. Why are they doing well? In what areas have they organized themselves? 
and what can we learn from our community? You know, there are many communities that thrive. There are many communities that do well, have excellence in, in, in their own communities. And even in South Africa, you know, you've got the South African Jewish Board of Educators, I think it's called. Uh, you've got a variety of entities. And what is that, what that has led to? It has led to inclusive education for um, the Jewish community where in my understanding, people who are not as, um, you know, affluent in the Jewish community can get scholarships and bursaries and support to understand um, top Jewish schools and to get a Jewish education. And those schools do perform well nationally because of the community support, because of community participation. If you were to come and say, hey, here's a successful community, what can we learn? I see there are many people winning in that community. I mean, if you were to think right now, there are two schools that have produced a lot of prime ministers. Winchester College um, in, in the United Kingdom, where Rishi Sunak comes from, and also Eton College, which has produced uh, multiple um, prime ministers. Most of the prime ministers have gone to Oxford and they've gone uh, to study PPE specifically at Oxford. If you think about that, it's not because there's a conspiracy by Eton College to run the UK parliament. It's because there are some fundamental principles of success that they consistently follow, which has led to a concentration of success for its alumni, right? That's the way these things work. When you set up good institutions, those institutions will have, um, you know, a, a large alumni base with uh, a variety of successes. If you think about Vitz University, uh, several people who are powerful politicians have studied at Vitz University at some point, not because of a conspiracy, but that's because that's one of the elite universities in South Africa. If that conversation had gone along those lines, I don't think there would have been any problem. But the issue is, one, the incitement of violence, and two, the perpetuation and normalization of a conspiracy by Jewish people to control the world or run the world or run institutions. I think that's where he started having serious problems. But also, I want to make this important distinction. It's possible for you and I, Sharice, to have a disagreement uh, at a personal level. It's possible for us to have animus towards each other for a variety of reasons. It's possible for me to be racist towards you and for you to be racist towards me at a personal level. But where Kanye West started having problems that instead of talking about the people he was fighting with, for whatever reasons, maybe it was, you know, breakdown of corporate relationship, bad business uh, contracts, he then made it about the collective. He made it about the global Jewish community. And when you do that kind of a thing, you are no longer dealing with your specific instance. You are making a group generalization. And if that generalization is a harmful and hateful generalization, then, you know, people are entitled to speak up against it and to also take actions to protect themselves, to protect their businesses, to protect the integrity of their community. And I think that's what happened here. Jamie, you bring so many in- interesting points and there are a lot of directions I could take this, but I, I want to ask you, and, and, and obviously obviously, what happened with Discam also resulted in people not attacking Discam, but people attacking Jews or holding the Jewish community responsible, etc. But I want to park that just for a minute, and if we have time, come back to it. What I want to ask you is you talk about a, him being a global figure, and if anybody has their finger on the pulse of what is happening in South Africa, it's you. Kanye West is loved in South Africa. How are South Africans responding to it? You've put posts out there. You've made comments. What pe- what are ordinary South Africans making of this that is happening? 
there is a large and vocal um, group of people who buy into what Kanye West was saying and who view the consequences of his actions as being part of an agenda by Jewish people. And that's unfortunate. And that is something that's happening also on the American and global discussion boards, but it's also something that's percolating here. It shows that we do have um, some challenges with creating understanding of hate crimes in general. You know, even if you think about Afrophobia, people say, this is not Afrophobic, that's not Afrophobic. And when you're now speaking about anti-Semitism, some people are saying, oh, but he was telling the truth, or, you know, that wasn't anti-Semitic. And it just shows how much work still needs to be done. But I do think that he did cross multiple lines and um, he did start leaning into the kind of rhetoric which has been very, very uh, disastrous throughout history. And there's nothing wrong with Jewish people being very sensitive about rhetoric which has led to them being attacked for, for centuries, rhetoric which has led to the Holocaust and rhetoric which has led to um, anti-Semitic attacks, which are still happening now um, in America. You know, the Tree of Life um, synagogue attack um, is one that is a recent example. But I think the Anti-Defamation League tracks this kind of stuff. And there's been a rise in anti-Semitic attacks. And the tragedy, I think, in all of this is that the Black and Jewish community globally have worked together, you know, to advance civil rights, to... Um, work together commercially, you know, in places such as Harlem, in places such as Atlanta, there have been various relationships created between the communities. Maybe there's room for improvement. There's always room for improvement. Maybe there's room for more discourse around the intersectionalities of our identities, you know, because I am Black, you are a white Jewish woman. But we need to have those conversations and find each other and find ways to have discussions which don't degenerate into hate, into conspiracy, and into division. And Jamie, you are doing a fantastic job on your YouTube channels and your social media. Um, I, I saw the one hashtag um, Afrophobia, xenophobia, and anti-Semitism, and also your comments on Kanye. Um, so thank you for what you do in terms of bridging the the uh, communities. If anybody would like to follow you or get in touch with you, what should they do? Well, I'm very easy to find. You can find me on um, my TikTok. You can find me on Twitter as well and on Instagram, all under the name uh, Mighty Jamie, M-I-G-H-T-I, Jamie, like Jamie Oliver, like Jamie Fox. Um, so easy to find. We can choose our own, Jamie. But Jamie, so you are a researcher, analyst and commentator at the African Research Centre. Thank you so much for joining me. Pleasure.